podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome one, welcome all. And yes, I want you to listen to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and as, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are getting ready for the Final Four. Look, we've already talked a couple times about the Final Four this weekend, but the one thing we have not done is the thing we do before every single game, which is get somebody from the opposing team who covers the opposing team that knows them a whole lot better than we ever possibly could. So to help me preview Villanova from the Villanova side, uh, it is Tommy Godin coming in from Big East Coast Bias. We just had his colleague and Matt over here. Uh, last week to talk about uh, Providence. So, Tommy, how are you doing today? I'm great, Andy. Thank you for asking, and thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's one of those things, like I said, I usually, I have a few places where I usually go to try to find some people to, to come on, and, and, you know, we haven't played Villanova enough recently for me to just have someone immediately to go to. So I was glad that, that Matt could help me out and get you on here. But, uh, look, this is... The fourth time that Kansas has played Villanova in the NCAA tournament, and what you know, we were talking about it beforehand. Uh, it's one of those things where uh, every single time these two teams have played in the NCAA tournament, the winner of that game goes on to win the national title. That's a stat I've been throwing around all year long. Um, lots of fun stuff there, but uh, knowing that, like, what what are your thoughts about? Well, you know what? Hold on. Let's start. Making the Final Four, what was that like for this Villanova team? Was that something that the Villanova that, that you guys that follow Villanova were expecting, or was you know this, this kind of a surprise for you given the way that the region was was set up? Yeah, and that's a great question. So I think that uh, the Villanova fans they're not content or complacent. I don't want it to sound like uh, what I'm about to say is kind of playing on house money, but. I think that if you told Villanova fans um, in the beginning of the year, maybe after that loss to Baylor, when we only put up 36 points, that um, we would go on to win the Big East tournament. Colin Gillespie would win uh, player of the year in the conference, and we'd be a Final Four team. I think a lot of Villanova fans would have signed up for that immediately. So I I, I don't want to kind of say we didn't expect to be here because, I mean, this is always the goal. Um but it is definitely nice, uh, all things considered, this year. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things you can never really expect to be in the Final Four, like even if that is what your like ceiling should be, just because, you know, I've been saying all the time that the, the tournament is a crapshoot. Like it's really hard to actually expect. When you have to win six games in a row with no down games at all, like that is a, it is really hard to have any sort of expectation of actually making it to the final four. So final fours are always something that should be celebrated every single time you make them. 
Uh, I, I fully believe that. And so I know that, that we're happy to be there as Kansas fans. I'm sure you guys are very happy to be there, but obviously there's been some, some issues going on with Villanova here. Um, in the final game, you know, this is the first question that always comes to mind immediately thinking about this, but losing to, or I'm sorry, losing Justin Moore at the end of that game against Houston, uh, to the torn Achilles, which I, Again, I would watch that game. I actually saw that live and immediately knew exactly what it was once you saw the replay. Um, how, how does the team like overcome something like that? How does that change their game plan? What kind of options do they have, uh, to replace the production that Justin Moore gives them? Yeah. And that's another good one. So, um, like you said, as soon as, um, you saw it happen, you knew what happened when you saw the pop in his calf. Uh, I think everyone except the announcer who thought it was a cramp. <laughs> I knew what happened to, yeah. to poor Justin Moore. But um, Justin Moore is not easily replaced. Uh, a lot of it's been said that he's our best shooter and probably our best offensive player, and that could be true. But a lot's going to be missed um, from his standpoint on the defensive end. Um, we do have Caleb Daniels, who's essentially been our sixth starter. He is going to most likely um, jump into that starting role. Um, to replace Justin Moore. And Villanova is not a deep team to begin with, and we're even thinner. Uh, right before the Michigan game, our seventh man, <laughs> if you will, uh, Jordan Longino tore his meniscus, and he just had surgery. So we haven't been a thin – we've been a thin team all year, and it's only getting thinner. Um, but I, I, I do like uh, Jay Wright at the helm of this, kind of behind the scenes pulling all the strings. I, I think maybe if it was – a uh, sweet 16 into an elite eight game where you only have a day in between the game plan. And might, we might be talking about a whole different story, but he's going to have a whole week to get Caleb ready and to get the guys on the bench, whether that be Chris Archidiacono or Brian Antoine um, to get them ready. So I, I, you can't replace Justin Moore, but I think Jay's going to do a pretty good job. Yeah. You mentioned a name that terrifies Kansas fans uh, in, in Archidiacono. Uh, obviously knowing of the, the prior Archie Diacono, I, I know that when we first started looking at it, a whole bunch of people that I talk with that, you know, cover and, and follow the Jayhawks were like, wait a minute, they have another one. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you to an extent. Uh, I think what we found though, when Kansas went up against like Creighton, um, you know, where, where Creighton lost at their big center the night before or the, the game before, like right at the end. Um, I think that made it almost just as hard on the Jayhawks, right? In terms of trying to figure out what it is that Creighton would do differently, not really having an opportunity to go find a bunch of film to see what the tendencies are to try to work on that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, Justin Moore was a gigantic part of what Villanova does. And so there's not going to be nearly as much, but, you know, he, he can't be on the floor for the entirety of a game. Uh, which means that you can at least pick up some of that stuff. You have some more time to kind of game plan for it. So in a way, I do think it kind of helps Kansas a little bit as well, that it's not a, you know, quick 24 hour turnaround. That being said, um, yeah, it, it definitely like when you're the one that has to execute the vision, like execute what's happening as opposed to just reacting what they're trying to do, having that extra time to plan out how you want to actually do it would definitely be super helpful. So, so I mean, what, what about the rest of this team though? I mean, because, like you said, the rotation is down quite a bit. So there's not a whole lot of guys to actually talk about. Normally I'm just like highlighting one or two guys to be like, Hey, what's, what's going on here with, with this person. But I almost feel like we can almost run down the entire roster. That's probably going to be available of guys that are likely to play. Um, obviously Colin, Colin Gillespie is the main guy. It's almost like a one, a 
you know, one B type of situation between Gillespie and Moore, at least from what I understand. But, um, it like, is there a possibility for Gillespie to kind of pick up any of the slack or were they such an integral part of the way that they played together that it's, you know, he's going to have to have someone else step up to kind of play off of for, for, for this game. No, definitely. And Gillespie on any given night could go for 30 and that could be said for Justin Moore as well. Um, they, they definitely do benefit off of each other, but like you said, this is a very thin team. We honestly can run down um, the list of guys that we have. I mean, Colin, he is our undisputed leader. He's been our leader all year um, and he's going to continue to be our leader with or without Justin Moore. Um, but the guy that's really stepped up that I really kind of wanted to talk about uh, in this segment is going to be Jermaine Samuels, the most outstanding player from the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. He has been abs- he, he's he's turned it up a notch in this NCAA tournament. Um, Jermaine Samuels has been absolutely outstanding, doing whatever it needs to be done to win games. Uh, he's shooting the ball well. He's rebounding the ball well. Every time you, you're going to see a lot of times he pump fakes at the three point line. And he drives into the lane. He does his little signature diving layup. You're going to see that at least two or three times. Um, you're going to bite for the pump fakes. You watch it on film all week, but it still happens. It happens to every team. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jermaine Samuels has been uh, really an integral piece to this uh, recipe. I mean, this whole team, this postseason. And another piece I want to talk about is Brandon Slater, who has kind of been the opposite of Samuels. Now, I have heard from inside Villanova that he was dealing with a stomach bug uh, over the past couple of weeks. And um, I believe that to be true. I mean, he has not looked like himself, but if you go back as recently as the big East tournament, uh, he, here's a guy who can go five of seven, six of eight from three on any given night. Uh, you forget about him and then boom, he can, he can kill you from, from the corner. So those two, if Villanova is going to advance to the national championship game, um, Colin Gillespie is going to do his thing. Um, we all know that. We just need Jermaine Samuels and Brandon Slater to continue what they're doing and uh, even broaden that a little bit more going into this one. Yeah, I mean, so so we've talked about depth here. And, and really, I, I guess my main question is, how is that going to translate, do you think, into the actual game plan? Like, does it does it change the way that they play, the fact that they don't have a lot of depth in terms of trying to avoid fouls or, you know, trying to... to worry about potentially guys running down towards the end of the game like how how have they handled that so far to this year and and how do you think that changes with more being out yeah I don't think that the um getting worn out at the end of the game is going to be a problem I mean John Shackleton our our, uh strength and conditioning coach has done an absolutely phenomenal job with each and every player on this team um and it's the final four I mean if you're not ready now you're never going to be fair so <laughs> I think that these guys uh, will be ready. I'm not really concerned uh, with fatigue as much as the other point you brought up in foul trouble. Um, we really have five solid players, and the only players that Jay may consider bringing in off the bench is uh, Chris Archidiacono, Brian Antoine, who was a five-star recruit many moons ago. Um, he's just been hampered by injury after injury. Um, we may see him. We haven't yet, but we may. And then there's Trey Patterson, who was another five-star. Um, he's a forward, and he hasn't played in months. So, I mean, foul trouble is definitely uh, going to keep me up a couple nights this week. Um, 
especially with the bigger guys like Eric Dixon and especially Jermaine and Brandon Slater. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that they are going to have to play a little bit of a different, maybe more conservative game against this extremely fast-paced Kansas team. Yeah, you you talked about the fast pace. I mean, Kansas showed, especially when in that second half against Miami, that they really like to kind of get out and run. Um, Villanova strikes me, at least from everything I've been seeing, that they are really the opposite, that they're trying to kind of slow stuff down. They're really trying to be very plotting, methodical. And I think that ties in really well to the way that a lot of the Big East schools played. Um, you know, it seemed like Providence and Creighton both did the same sort of thing. So it, it seems like it's a stylistic choice for the conference as opposed to um, just each of the individual teams wanting to do that on their own. I, I do wonder, though, like, is, I mean, do you think that that's going to be one of the main determinations of this game is who, who can actually dictate the pace? Or do you think it's going to be varying enough that, you know, the, the, there'll be times where Kansas is going to get out and run because I don't think they've ever been stopped for an entire game. But I'm sure that there'll also be times where Villanova can kind of try to slow things down. Do you think it's an instance where that is really the main decider, which pace we're playing at more, or are there too many other things kind of going into it? I absolutely do. I absolutely think that is uh, going to be the deciding factor in this game. I mean, you, you said Villanova slow. They rank 342nd in the country in possessions per game. I mean, they, they're slow and then there's Villanova. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm seeing Ken Palm say 345th. So yeah, it's even slower than that. <laughs> yeah. They've gone down three. <laughs> I believe it though. Yeah. I mean, they, they are, they are just as slow as a tempo team as you can be. Um, but there's two things they do well. Uh, they control the pace pretty well, and they don't turn the ball over. Um, they allow one turnover every 15 or 16 possessions, something like that. Um, I, I, I think that between the pace, their ball security, and their free throw shooting, um, that should bode well in controlling the tempo of the game. But like you said, Kansas is going to go on a run. I know it. You know it. Everyone knows. <laughs> so Nova's really got to be careful of that because I watched the second half of that Miami game and I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. That was the most dominant half of basketball I've watched all year. And I'd be hard pressed to find a, a more dominant half. In yeah. Recent memory of well, and, and I think the, the scary thing about that is that Miami did a lot of what Villanova likes to try to do in terms of limiting the pace and, you know, really picking their spots and keeping Kansas from getting out and running for quite a, portion of that first half and it ultimately didn't matter because Kansas was able to stay with them now granted I will say that Villanova has a, a higher talent level I think overall than a team like Miami does but the fact that this Kansas team while they're not necessarily super comfortable or enjoy playing at that pace they are I think efficient enough that they can at least stay in the games and it's a matter of making sure that there's not multiple opportunities for them to get out on big runs I think is really kind of what the key to this is going to be. Um, I do want to ask though about the actual individual matchup, especially on the inside. But before we do that, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure. This is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. And we're back. I'm here with Tommy Godin of Big East Coast Bias, helping us to preview Villanova from the Villanova perspective. I, You know, 
we were we were talking about kind of overall team ideas before, but individual matchups, the one that really jumped out to me is especially since, you know, the way that David McCormick played in the second half against Miami, and actually Mitch Lightfoot as well in that game. Um, who on the inside is going to draw the main responsibility for, for Villanova to try to stop what those guys were doing on the inside? Right. So that will be Eric Dixon. He is the, our anchor in the paint. And he, I think he's listed on our website at 6'9". And, and let me tell you, that's a very program-friendly 6'9". I think they measured it when he was wearing his high-top sneakers that day. Um, Villanova, historically, has been an undersized program. And this year is no different. Um, but what they do well is team rebounding, tip outs, uh, multiple guys crashing the boards. So Eric Dixon is going to be our our anchor in the paint, but he is going to receive a lot of help from the aforementioned Brandon Slater and Jermaine Samuels uh, from a team rebounding perspective. Now, Gillespie, I don't think he's 100% still going into this game. He got rolled up on at the end of the Michigan game on his the same knee he tore his meniscus in. Um, but he's another guy we talk about um, <clears throat> as someone who will do whatever it takes to win a game. He rolled his ankle against um, U- UConn earlier this year, and everyone thought he was done. He he couldn't walk. He played the next game, believe it or not, a couple oh of days gosh. later. He didn't score a point, but he had 10 rebounds. So it, it's just one of those things. Nova is not a good um, size team. They're, they're never going to be. Um, but what they are good at is is team rebounding. Yeah, I know that that's definitely something where Kansas has gotten better at it as the year has gone on, especially a guy like Jalen Wilson, uh, you know, really dives in there and really like that's the the main contribution he's had in the last three weeks um, is that he has just been killing it on the boards. I will be interested to kind of see how a guy like Samuels or even Gillespie um, or, or Slater is able to kind of match up with that, because it sounds like there's there's multiple guys on both sides of the of the uh, basket or both sides of the court that will do the similar sort of thing, right? Like smaller guy. Well, actually I say smaller guys, but Jalen Wilson is six, eight. <laughs> so like he's, and, and he plays wing, right? But he's, he's six, eight, like he's big enough that he could play on the inside if he needed to. Um, and, and he actually has done that in our quote, quote unquote, small ball lineups, <laughs> which is kind of funny to think about. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. The, the height that Kansas has and what they're able to do. Okay. So, so looking out on the perimeter though, you know, Kansas has essentially four guys out on the perimeter that could, you know, light it up at any moment. Uh, Chris, Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji, Remy Martin now, you know, in the last three weeks, and then Jalen Wilson. Um, how does how does Villanova counter that? Who do they have in terms of defense out there? Like, who who would you expect to try to be shutting down a guy like Ochai? Yeah, so Brandon Slater, well, that was Justin Moore's role. Justin Moore right. always guarded the um, – best player on the opposing team, uh, no matter who it was. Um, but obviously they'll be without him. Um, so that then it's going to be Brandon Slater. Brandon Slater is probably the most athletic person player that's played on this Villanova team since Josh Hart back in, back in 2016. Um, Brandon Slater is a defensive first forward. Um, that's how he got his start. Now he's kind of adapting his game. Um, to where he can shoot and finish. I mean, he had that poster dunk on Justin Minayo in Providence, but we're talking about perimeter defense here. Um, and that is going to be Brandon Slater uh, covering the outside for Villanova. And it, again, a lot of the things they do, they do as a team. So it's not 
going to be a, a box and one with Slater kind of trailing the shooter. Um, Villanova is very good at switches. I mean, all our players are basically the same height. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. <laughs> so I, at least that's what it feels like. Um, <clears throat> so everyone can switch. Everyone can play defense. Jay Wright won't play if you can. So at the end of the day, it'll be a team effort. No, and I, and I definitely think that helps in trying to defend the Jayhawks because they have so many different options. You know, while a lot of teams have gone and face guarded Abaji, um, you know, and kind of taken him out, they have so many other options. Other guys have stepped up. Most recently it's been Martin, but, you know, before that it had been Brown in, in several games. It had been Jalen Wilson for, a, you know, a two-week stretch. So, like, you can take one guy out from what the Jayhawks can do but there's so many other options that usually they can pick up the slack enough that you don't necessarily notice too much of a difference unless you're keying in on a specific player and trying to evaluate what they're doing. So um, the fact that they're that good at switching, that they play such good team defense, that's what that's where Kansas typically struggles is against teams that can do that um, extremely well from a lot of different positions against a lot of different guys. Kansas is has gotten a lot better at that as well defensively. Um, looking at what Kansas has done defensively, because of course, half of what happened against Miami in that second half was just locking down entirely on what Miami's trying to do. How, how much of a worry is that for you going into this game? And, and who exactly do you think Kansas is going to try to limit with more out, um, to, to try to take away what Villanova wants to do offensively? So if you asked me that all year, except the last two weeks, I would have told you Colin Gillespie, and that would have been the right answer. Um, Teams have done a great job of limiting Colin Gillespie, but as of late, it's been Jermaine Samuels. He's the third leading scorer uh, in all of, or fourth, I'm sorry, in all of March Madness behind uh, Manic Bancaro and Baycott. I mean, he's just been absolutely um, brilliant on the offensive end, which he hasn't been all year. He's averaging 17 and a half points um, in the postseason, I think if he did that during the regular season, we would have been a one seed and we'd be having a different conversation right now. But I think that um, they're really going to put a lot of emphasis on uh, Jermaine Samuels as well. They're definitely going to keep an eye on Colin Gillespie as well. I will say maybe not a different conversation because I, I get the feeling that if Villanova was a little better than they still would be making the final four. It's just a matter of where they would have slotted them. Yeah. But, but yes, <laughs> the point is definitely well taken that, that Villanova would probably be, have been a more dangerous team coming in. Um, I still think that, you know, both of these teams were set up fairly well to be able to, to advance to the final four, especially with the way that the draws went. But, um, yeah, so I guess final thoughts here in terms of key matchups, like what's going to be the most important thing? If you had to narrow down, other than tempo, because we've already talked about that, if you had to narrow it down to one, either a player matchup or one specific stat that you look at, right, what do you think is going to be the biggest key to how this game turns out? Um, free throws, I think. I think it's going to come down to not just free throws, but I think free throw shooting could play a huge role. I don't think Kansas shot the ball very well from the free throw strife against Miami. They're not going to do that again. Uh, they're a much better free throw shooting team than that. But um, foul trouble with Villanova is going to be key. Um, they're already a thin team, like we've already talked about. Um, so I think fouls and foul shooting are really going to determine this game. Because, like, again, we already said, Kansas is going to go on a run. Villanova is going to stifle that. They're going to go on their own run. Um, Villanova is the best free throw shooting team of all time. Knock on wood, it stays that way. Um, they're shooting 83% on the season. They don't have a bad foul shooter on their team. 
So if, if it gets down to it, you know, Nova up five under a minute left, something like that, it's going to be very hard for Kansas to come back from that and vice versa and vice versa for Villanova. So I think limiting the fouls and converting from the line are, is really going to be what, besides tempo, what uh, dictates the outcome of this contest. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to say, I think I think more of fouls themselves as opposed to free throws is, you know, if, if I was limiting it to one, just because Villanova is not a team, at least from what I can tell, that gets to the free throw line very often. They're really good once they get there. The problem has been that that's not really seemed to have been an emphasis for them. Um, this year, and it doesn't necessarily seem to be something that they're particularly adept at is like forcing their opponents to send them to the line. Um, Kansas, on the other end, is not necessarily great at getting to the line themselves, but they're not nearly as good once they actually get there. So they've had definitely had their moments where they get the opponent to send them to the line a lot, which would be great for Kansas in this game because of the depth issues for Villanova. Um, but they don't necessarily make nearly as many of them. So it can end up being on an individual play basis, a good move because they don't necessarily make as many points as they normally would. But over the course of the game, as you know, Kansas goes to the line more and more, it becomes a problem for the opponent. They have fouled out quite a few, you know, really good players on opposing teams this year that have helped to sway some games in their, in their favor. Um, you know, I, I do wonder, I think ultimately when we look back at this, the, the storyline, may not be free throw shooting itself, but the number of times Kansas goes to the line against Villanova because Kansas is a team that will seek that out at times, whereas Villanova doesn't, at least doesn't appear to me to to be a team that tries to go to the line, even though they're phenomenal at shooting the free throws. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you hit the nail right on the head there. That That's exactly what I was trying to get at. Not, I don't think whatever team makes the most free throws is going to win the game. Obviously, I, I you de- you just you hit the nail right on that. Yeah, well, it's I mean, definitely if Villanova's up right late in the game, like I would be extremely worried because of free throw shooting. Like, because at that point you're sending them the line to try to extend the game. That's probably not going to make much of a difference with a team that shoots as well as Villanova. But since that's the the area of the game where they have the biggest advantage, right? Looking at this, like looking at all the matchups and everything, that's where their biggest advantage is, but it doesn't seem to be an advantage that they try to press very often, which, which may end up making it a little bit harder for them to push that advantage. Obviously a slower game is going to be more skewed towards the the few times that you actually would go. Cause there's not nearly as many possessions. Um, but I would be really interested to kind of see who's able to dictate pace, who's able to find themselves at the line more often. Um, which like, I think it'll be a good thing for Kansas, even if they're not making a bunch of free throws, getting to the line is going to be phenomenal for them in this game uh, because of the depth. And then of course, who, who gets hot from three, you know, Kansas has way too many flashbacks to Villanova, just being ballistic from three point range. Um, even, you know, guys that honestly have no business hitting threes like crazy because they're really not that great of three, three point shooters. It happens to Kansas all the time. It seems to happen doubly more when Villanova plays them. So, so who, who is that guy on this Villanova team who looking at season stats probably has no business getting hot from three, but it's probably going to go, you know, like seven of nine on, on Saturday. Brandon Slater. No question. (laughs) He, he is definitely a guy, um, if you look back, he doesn't take a whole lot of threes, um, but when he does, they, they go in. <laughs> his quality of threes is way higher than his volume, um, and he's been a little bit too quiet, so definitely Brandon Slater. I, I think if he can get it going from beyond the arc, it will be um, a huge boost for this Villanova team. And Kansas, they're very good at perimeter defense, and they're very good at rebounding. They're going to try and take that away. Um 
So it, it has to be Brandon Slater. It has to be guys like him. Even Eric Dixon, our so-called center, who would be probably a small forward in the, in, in the Big 12. Um, he hit two timely threes um, uh, against Michigan to move us on. I mean, he's another guy who, again, does not take threes often, but when he does, he hits them, and they're timely. So uh, if, if you can't shoot threes, don't go to Villanova. Yeah. <laughs> That seems to be what they do all the time. So, well, you know what? I am, I am very glad though that Kansas is the number one seed that's coming into the final four because hopefully that means that, you know, their magic will be just a little bit stronger than Villanova's. And of course, the magic that I'm talking about is the magic here from our sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. If you don't know that by now, then you obviously haven't been paying attention, but they have fantastic t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. Uh, they have over a hundred different schools with all of those great logos and they keep adding more all the time. They have a bunch more coming up over the summer. It's going to be fantastic. I can tell you right now. Uh, I have, I have gotten a sneak peek at a few of the schools that are going to be on there and, and you're not going to want to miss them. But if you go over to homefieldapparel.com right now, you can go take a look at all of the schools they have, including Villanova and Kansas. Um, you know, they have all of the great lineups there. Fantastic shirts. Use promo code chalk 12. You can get 15% off your entire first order and uh, all orders over $100 get free shipping. It's a bunch of great stuff. I have way too much home field already, and I'm planning on getting a bunch more once I get the opportunity to. So I promise, if you head on over, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your entire first order. It's going to be worth it because you're going to be getting quite a bit and saving a whole bunch more. So, all right. Okay, so obviously the big question of the moment is, who do you have winning? Uh, you know, I'm obviously biased as a Kansas fan. But trying to look objectively, I do think that the Jayhawks are probably going to move on because of some of the things we've talked about. But I do want to get your thoughts. Do you like how how much confidence do you have that Villanova is going to be able to make this a game enough that they can actually move on? Oh, I definitely think it's going to be it's going to be a game. I mean, they're going to rally around Justin Moore. They're going to use his injury as motivation. Um, they're going to try and win it for him. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't know and we can't control. Um, our defense has been getting better. Our shooting is timely. It hasn't been great, but it's good enough. It's been good enough. Um, I, I, I do think Villanova has all the ingredients in a recipe you need to win a national championship. They have veteran leadership. They have talent. They play together. Um, and they have an outstanding Hall of Fame head coach. Um, with that being said, I, I, I do have Kansas moving on. Nova Nation, don't come after me. Um, I picked them in my bracket as well. <laughs> I picked well, them to cut down the nets. I mean, you, you saw what they did in the second half against Miami. If they can, if if they can put it put it together and build off of that performance, um, it may be a long night for my Wildcats. I don't think that it's going to be a blowout um, by any circumstance. But I mean, it, there's a lot of things again we don't know. I my prediction. I I think Villanova covers, but I think. Uh, Kansas moves on to the national championship game. Yeah, I, I could easily see this being a game where Kansas pulls away late just because Villanova finally, you know, wears down because of foul trouble or just guys that aren't, you know, at full strength or that sort of thing. Like Kansas can, Kansas has so many bodies and guys that can play well that you get to the end of the game, I could theory, theoretically see them pull away, but it's not a situation. I've heard some people would be like, yeah, Kansas is going to come out here and they're going to get revenge and, you know, they're going to go up by, by 15 at half and never look back. It's like, no, no, this is going to be a close game late. Kansas might pull away in the last five to six minutes, but uh, you know, it's definitely going to be one that's worth watching. Uh, I, I'm personally hoping it's going to be the more entertaining of the final four games, 
but uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if, if people are more invested in the other one. Cause we've already heard it from all the media that they're more invested in that other game. But um, either way, whichever team moves on, they need to go on and beat Duke. Cause I don't really have any confidence that North Carolina can actually do it. And Hey, Helping out with that is the fact that Duke is the only team in the final four that does not have the benefit of home field magic on their side. So, you know, that is, that is absolutely definitely something to look forward to. So, all right. Well, Tommy, uh, if, if people want to find your work online, where, where can they do that? Yeah, thank you. You can um, go on my Twitter at Tommy Godin Jr. Um, or also you can go to Big East Coast Bias. That Twitter handle is BECB underscore SBN. Um, you can find me posting from there. You can find me posting on my Twitter. Um, don't be afraid to give a follow. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I really appreciate the work that you guys do over there. I know I got a huge crash course on the Big East by going over to the site when I saw that Kansas could potentially face three different Big East schools on the way to the to the Final Four and, and the championship. So um, you guys do a lot of great work over there. I'm really glad to have you on here. And, and thank you so much for coming on. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wh- wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, you can find links to all the great shows we have over there. There's a lot of really good ones. Uh, on Twitter at ten one two the word network. That's 1012 Network. Um, we are also part of the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Get your voice on the show. You can ask your question or have your comment or leave your reaction. Go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise that we'll get you on the show. Again, make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHALK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. And uh, that's going to do it for us today. Tommy, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan A. Bear, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the Ten Twelve Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big Twelve podcasts. Check them out at Ten Twelve Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan A Bear. Uh, Sickum Bears. Podcast Network.